And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, Jersey. Guys, I think somebody needs to shut a window. Maybe there's a leak somewhere. I don't know if there's a door that's open that shouldn't be. Because it's getting a little drafty in here right now. Hello. Welcome to Times Ours. We we didn't have a show last week. The people were furious because we got to get those draft cheeks in right now. And we're going to do it. I'm Joshua Briscoe, Nate Taylor, Seth Kaiser. We're all here, baby. And we're going to finally get real into the nitty gritty of the 2021 draft because it's just around the corner and another corner and then one more corner. And it's almost here. One more corner. Uh, I, I already know the answer from Seth. We talked about this on 810 last night, but uh, I'm curious how you guys are feeling about the draft process overall right now. Because, mm. like, Nate, you just got a little vacation, a little family yeah, time. Took a little breather somewhere between Austin Blythe and that fullback signing, whose name I'm going to try to not remember on purpose, <laughs> to uh, till next, a little time off. Seth doesn't really mess around with the draft until like mid-April, so Seth's cannonballing into the pool right now. Nate, I feel like you're kind of you're taking the stairs, but you're walking in, and I feel like the waterlogged corpse floating at the surface because <laughs> I have been in this water for too long. My fingers are pruny. I am sunburnt, and I want to get out. Nah, just just enjoy the sun, right? <laughs> I mean, come on, the clouds have opened up. I feel rested. There's so many potential draft scenarios. And I'm here for it for about a week. (laughs) And then I'm going to be really, really upset when the NFL makes me wait until midnight Friday. Not Thursday, kids. Friday for the Chiefs to probably pick at 31. Hmm. But look, for the next week, I'm going to enjoy it. You're going to read all about it in The Athletic. Um, The Beast is out. You know, shout out to our guy, Dan. Like, the, 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 the Beast is out. So You called him Dan, and that's not his name. Dane. Dane Brugler's Beast is up on the athletic. We're back, baby. We are back. back. The show Uh, is here. Jodie Foster's going to wear number one because the number rule's opening up. I did say Foster on purpose. Yeah. All I can say is um, the Chiefs are picking 31 as of now. Start the rumors. Aggregators, here we go. (laughs) Chiefs probably moving up, guys. Oh. 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 Oh, no. Look, look, there are too many scenarios where because of need, because of the talent pool, because of the prospects at a certain tackle position, I I think the odds are are in favor of the Chiefs being like, look, we got eight picks. We got a future pick. Let's move up if somebody slides just a bit. So that's where I want to begin all of this. I would be slightly surprised if they stay at 31. Seth, I feel like I just got punched in the stomach, so you go now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm i here for it. 
I'm here for I I am a complete draft hypocrite in that I believe that it's a crapshoot, <laughs> but I also say go up and get your guy. Go up, you know what? That it, it's a crapshoot and it's crap, and your evaluation might not be any better than anyone else's might be, and might not make it any more likely. But it's your crap, and so you go up and get that dude if you think he's good enough. I, I I'm so I'm I'm cannonballing in. I'm gonna try to review as many of tackles as I can and just get a feel for which guys I like and what I think the tiers look like. And here's the thing with the Chiefs. They're picking 31. Odds are if they want to get a guy, at tackle at least, although it's going to be really funny when they trade up and draft like a defensive tackle. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be so great. It's going to be like, they're going to they're going to trade up and draft a running back and like Uh-oh. Josh is going to resign from media. I'm going to have <laughs> like, to. Like, I'm going to just I, have to. What, um, what, I, what 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 don't you like about this dual running back threat out here, Josh? Oh, that would be hilarious. <laughs> I What about two tightest two running back sets? <laughs> we you know, to me the draft is less crapshooty in the first round than anywhere else, right? For obvious reasons. Yeah. You, you generally speaking have the the guys with the highest talent. The problem is, in my opinion, once you get past like 20, you're starting to get into that crapshooty range. You know what I'm saying? And so I could see them saying, look, like let's say they've got, and this is one reason I really want to look at the tackles. If they have three tackles that they view to be top tier tackles, you know two of them are going to be gone probably around what? 15? 10? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would I would say I would say 15 to 18 based on this draft class. And based yeah, on Yeah, that's true. some of the it, mocks that I've seen that of the I, guys that I trust. I've seen at this point like six quarterbacks in the first 10. I'm like, <laughs> "Yes, everyone needs to go get their quarterback this year. All the quarterbacks. I hope the first 10 picks are quarterbacks." So to me, if you've got say for example, three guys because uh, you know, uh, Brandon Thorne, who has his own Substack, by the way, that you should mm-hmm. really check out. Yes. Um, and you know what? Uh, what's called trench warfare. He has been going through film with the prospects. Like it, it's been awesome. You got to check it out. Um, it, support good work. So he he actually listed Jenkins. I think is his number two guy in this mm-hmm. draft. Mm-hmm. And and Brandon does incredible work. Dane does incredible work too. I mean, there's so much good draft content. No wonder Josh is a floating corpse. There's so much to take <laughs> it's in. It's just a lot, dude. <laughs> And so for me, though, like if they have it's all about the tiers and this is why I want to review like 10 guys if I have time and just write about, okay, what tiers are there? Because if they've got three guys in the top tier and they've got a chance to trade up to get one of them and they think because this also matters, how sizable is the drop from tier one to tier two? Because if it's not too bad a drop. And you've got five guys in tier two. It's like, well, why don't we just take someone in the second round? If it's like a gaping chasm, it's like, we need to get that dude. Because right now, we don't have anyone at left tackle. Like, it, it's bad. All due respect to those who technically are tackles, who are on the Chiefs roster. All due respect to you. But you don't exist for purposes of this analysis. And so... I, I'm here for a trade up. I'm here for chaos. I hope they trade up to ten and get Silva. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> if he's there, if he's there at ten, I'll tase you because that's not because he's not. Gonna <laughs> oh, uh, Josh, can I can I ask you a question? I would love that. Let Let's go through the history of Brett Veach. <laughs> yeah, actually, let's <laughs> let Let's go through the history of Brett Veach as a general manager of the Chiefs, commanding and leading and orchestrating the. 
Chiefs draft history. Absolutely. Since 2018. And the reason why mm-hmm. I bring this up is this is around the time that I started covering the team. The Chiefs felt in 2018 that they needed to go get a pass rusher. Mm-hmm. As Seth sort of just alluded to, there are tears. And Brett Veach looked up and was like, hey, we ain't got a first-round pick because, you know, we made the greatest selection in Chiefs history in Patrick Mahomes the year prior. So I'm picking in the second round. I know what my need is. What did he do, Josh? He traded up and he got himself an edge. He moved eight spots to get Breland Speaks, who we're going to say this quietly, but he is not on the team. (laughs) 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 In 2019. Uh Uh-huh. Josh. Yeah. Hey, they were in the AFC Championship game. They were perhaps a coin toss slash D4 offsides from being in the Super Bowl, perhaps maybe winning it. Mm Mm-hmm. At the time, team felt, hey, man, don't know what's going on with Tyreek Hill right now. Sure. And we should probably go get a safety, especially one to pair with. Tyron Matthew. What they do, Josh? They they uh they they traded up. They traded up, Nathaniel. They got Miko Hardman. Uh-huh. Good for them. Yeah. And somehow in the tiers that Seth alluded earlier, found a nice guy in a nice spot with Juan Thornhill. Now, Josh, I want you to sit down. Mm-hmm. They won the Super Bowl in 2019, came off of it, and was like, you know what? We're going to break tendency. We're going to stay at 32. But they also felt we need a dynamic playmaker from not a wide receiver position. And we ain't going to go in the first round for a tight end. But I'm also, as Brett Veach and Andy Reid, going to text Patrick Mahomes and say, Hey, dog, who you thinking about right now as we get from 27 to 28 to 29? Oh, he texted me back. Josh, who did they take? Uh, you know what, Nate? The strangest thing is I can't remember. Mm. <laughs> Seth, you want to help him out here? <laughs> I, you know, I, it's the funniest thing. I, I'm, I'm just having some kind of memory issues as well. I'm gonna. They need... took a running back. They took a running back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like we get it. So, so here's here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. We all agree. Dane agrees. They need a tackle. Who is the most important employee in the Kansas City Chiefs organization, fellas? Who, who that person? I believe I, I can. I know. I know the answer to this I'm one. Say it's Patrick Mahomes. Oh, Sit down, Seth. Well, I was gonna say that. You're like the you're like the kid that yells out Jesus during Sunday school, and everyone knew that was the answer. It's not Andy Reid, kids. It ain't Brett Veach. It ain't Tim Terry. It ain't Ryan Poles. It ain't Travis Kelsey. It ain't Tyreek Hill. What does? Patrick Mahomes, what? Somebody to protect his blind side. So, if there's somebody that they all agree with, uh, it's kind of their obligation to try to move heaven and earth to go get that person. I agree with Mr. Thorne that uh, Tevin Jenkins would be an amazing pairing for player, prospect, talent, need, the whole shebang. If you can't get them, who else is on the list? Go get that player. This concludes the history of the Chiefs under Brett Veach, Patrick Mahomes, and Andy Reid. I think that's. I think the history lesson there is good. I think my argument against uh, them trading up 
would focus on the players they moved up for, as we just discussed. <laughs> like, what, folks, what are we doing? Like, listen, if we're going to have a little, a little draft philosophy conversation, I don't know where you make the crapshoot line, where, where it is, uh, where, where it goes from a science to an art or whatever. Because, I mean, it ha- sometimes it's in the top five. You lose your cutoff. Sometimes you lose your cutoff at 1-1. One, one. Sure. Sometimes maybe you feel confident you got the right guy at 31 or 32 or whatever. That's all fine. I would like for the Chiefs to have as many of these uh, of these little investment vouchers. Call them lottery tickets isn't quite fair for a first or a second round pick, I don't think. But I'd like to get as many tickets as possible. And if they stay in their spot, maybe they don't need a safety next year because they took Jesse Bates instead of trading up for, uh, for, for Breland Speaks, which I believe is where the original pick actually went. They could have stayed put mm-hmm. and taken DK Metcalf, right? And, mm-hmm. and that's super revisionist. But what yep. it definitely means is they could have stayed in those spots and gotten either Breland Speaks or Jesse Bates or either McCole Hardman or DK Metcalf. Like those, those options only increase whenever you have more chances and the idea of trading in chances to go get your guy, you're right that Brevich has done it. It's just also where his drafting has been, without question, the absolute worst. It's been the thing that he's been the worst at as the GM of the Chiefs. Like, I feel like that's fair. I don't feel like that's heretical. <laughs> I I just want to remind people, in 2018, Brett Veach selected Breland Speaks, came on out to the podium and was like, guys, there was nobody left. Literally. We need a, like we need, and the and then he came out. Then he went back into the podium. He went back into the <laughs> office. He came back out in a full hot dog suit and said, "We're trying to find whoever's responsible for this <laughs> for the for the fact that the Chiefs needed an edge real bad, and for the fact that this year they need a tackle real bad, and the fact that last year I guess they needed a running back real bad. I don't know, man. He's in charge of the whole team, not just the draft. Yeah, no, no, no. I I, I completely agree with you, Josh. I just want to make people aware that if this ends up happening again. In a couple weeks, we have a case as to why. We all agree that the need this year is much greater than the previous three years under mm-hmm. the Brett Veach administration when it comes to the draft. So there are tendencies, there are sort of styles. Like you mentioned earlier, Josh, there's, you know, what is art, what is science, what is your philosophy overall? How much does that change year to year based on the draft class and and obviously the needs and whatnot? But I, I just again he came out in 2018 and was like, hey, man, that's the last dude we thought could be good. And then they put that player in a position that was not his natural one. They moved him to outside linebacker. It was a whole thing. And he never played his natural position in a Chiefs uniform. So, yeah, hope that doesn't happen in this draft. Seth, I know you're tweeting about Jamal Charles, but I... I okay, go ahead. Hey, look, <laughs> anytime someone talks about Jamal Charles. I'm going to start tweeting about Jamal Charles. You know this. Yeah, that's fair. And you secretly like this about me. Oh, I do. I I but, just... It's actually not a secret. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. This is... I, I, I haven't written about Jamal Charles' greatness in like a year, and I'm starting to get itchy. Mm. Like... Because I'm sorry, because I'm dragging us completely afield. CBS just tweeted about the yards per carry thing. He's still 5.38. And that was after a couple of years of, you know, kind of wandering throughout the NFL and all that. Still the best to ever do it. 5.38. He was the only, what's the way, um, Ethan Douglas, uh, our one of our analytics friends, numbers mm-hmm. guys. He will, he always says run, and Eric Eager says the same thing. Jamal Charles was the only running back who ever mattered. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, so with with to, with to bring us back to the draft because I could wax eloquent about Jamal Charles all day, and I will in another point. You, mm. yeah. Well, man, he was great, guys. He was so great. Anyway, I need a water bottle to spritz you with whenever Jamal Charles comes up. You, you, you it wouldn't even work. You'd need a fire hose, my friend. <laughs> so. The, the the thing with draft picks, and, and I actually, I tweeted out that I think this is a really important draft for Brett Veach. It is kind of funny to me because it's three drafts that he's had control of, right? And, you know, this idea that we're, we're we, you know, we're figuring out, you know, how good the 2019-2020 draft is after a year or two years. It's funny to me to an extent, but whatever. I think for me, the the biggest thing is because I view the draft as such a crapshoot that I tend to just shrug in terms of all of it, which probably isn't fair because it allows me to, what's the term? There's a term for this within a marriage, uh, a methodology of arguing. It's called being a snapping turtle. <laughs> I get to rah and whatever I think. And then I'm back in my shell of, ah, it's the draft. I don't really care. And it's, let me just tell you, it's glorious. I do think that Brett Veach's drafting is inarguably, I wouldn't say it's the weakest thing he's done. Because he has grabbed enough contributors, I think the weakest work that he's done is, and you can fold this into the draft, mm-hmm. is overpaying for guys he likes. And yep. I think the worst that he's done that with has been veterans, yep. not necessarily rookies. You know, we can talk about what Frank Clark has brought, and he's brought a lot of great things. We can talk about what Sammy Watkins brought. He brought a lot of great things. Both cases where one could make a pretty convincing argument that there was a significant overpay for that particular asset, um, if you want to refer to players like that. Um, And in terms of, you know, giving up draft picks and stuff, I think you kind of have to because it's a business move, right? So I, I I think I'm agreeing with you in a roundabout way, Josh, in that... I think Veach has shown the ability to find contributing players, but I do think that there has been a a history of when it's, we got to get this guy at the very least overpaying. Right. Mm. And so that, that that's definitely concerning. All that said, go up and get him. Just do it. I just, I think with the, with the overpaying for the vets and maybe over moving and over drafting the players that he's fallen in love with, like, you can, you can smush all those together. And I, I do think it paints a, I don't want to say a dire picture of like Brett Veach as a GM or whatever, but it, it is the biggest weakness, I think, where you found fourth round contributors and guys off practice squads and all that stuff where, where he's been able to elevate lower ceiling, ceiling Mm -hmm. talent. But you got to get the big hits right. And and I just, I would rather just be able to, if you're saying you're throwing darts, I would rather have more darts to throw. And maybe some of the darts are at a bigger board or whatever to try to make, to try to scale it to fit with a, a first round draft pick being more likely to succeed than a seventh. Cause that's still legit. Like there is something to the scouting process, but man, if they end up, if they end up giving up significant assets to move up a few picks for a tackle, if it works, then no one's going to really be able to complain about it. If it right. doesn't work, as the other trade-ups have not worked, it will be a huge mark on the resume for Veach because what that would do is it, it would be a, a – it would in retrospect, at the time, whatever, look like kind of a panic move to fill a hole that they didn't fill pre-draft to take a guy that had 
better work out, especially if it's a first and something else that you had to spend it to get up there. Yeah, and and the issue here is as we move forward and farther and farther away from this draft, people are going to probably forget, and it's going to become a footnote, that look, they did try with Trent Williams. We've all acknowledged that. Um, the Chiefs really thought they were going to get him. So had that happened, obviously there wouldn't be such a desperation to some degree on the Chiefs and Brett Veach to, to go get that tackle to protect their greatest asset, obviously being Patrick Mahomes. But I think there are two things to, to acknowledge here within the criticism that is very legitimate, that I completely understand. And again, I was there for kids. Part one is they got it right with Patrick Mahomes. And that just emboldens you to feel like you are capable in trusting your scouting process and your background work, knowing who the player is, that you can, you know, make a gamble and have confidence that it's going to work out the majority of the time. Now, you can put anybody's trade-ups, acquisitions, transactions, you know, on a board and kind of see where they where they rise and where they fall. But I do know that Patrick Mahomes and everything that went into it, which we obviously covered, I think, you know, during Super Bowl week uh, in The Athletic that people can go back and read because it still has a lot of relevance as we go into this draft. That gives the entire front office the ability to say, okay, at the top tier talent, we know what we want to identify. And sure, we're comfortable at this point overpaying or using more capital than some teams would suggest to go get that player. Um, they thought Sammy Watkins was going to be great for the offense. And honestly, they were right, even though they overpaid. Same thing for Tyron Matthew. I remember at the time people were like, hey, Tyron Matthew, a cool player, dog, but how much? They were right. Um, Frank Clark, for an entire month, kids, because that's all that really matters. I know that there are people who hate Frank Clark, but for one month, he got the most sacks in Chiefs postseason history um, off of one month because they identified a talent that was better than D Ford and said, we're going to do everything in our power to do it. So it may not be a success in the totality of the deal, but they can always flash that shiny Super Bowl ring in your face. The second point, the, the second point, fellas, it comes down to the owner. And we need to say this over and over and over again. Clark Hunt, like Chiefs fans, got tired of doing the same old, same old. And he has been willing to be more aggressive than his peers over the last seven years around the starting, around the time that he obviously did everything he could to hire Andy Reid because he thought Andy Reid was the best coach on the market at the time, given how downtroddenly god-awful just a calamity the franchise was coming out of the 2012 season. So, yes, we like to say that the general manager, the head coach, they usually make these decisions. You can put them in a vacuum. You could take the vacuum apart, however you want to evaluate those two people in the organization and go from there. But we tend to forget the owner and what the owner is comfortable doing and what the owner equips the men who work under him to help make the franchise better. You don't move 17 picks up if Clark Hunt still loves Alex Smith enough to be like, Patrick Mahomes might be good, but like, let's see where this goes. And look, um, Clark Hunt believed in Andy Reid, which gave him trust in Brett Veach, and he has empowered both men 
to do more aggressive moves than in previous Chiefs decades combined. So, as much as you want to criticize Brett Veach, I think some of that has to be placed at the hands of Clark Hunt. It's it's an interesting thing talking about draft history because I think we end up being a little bit myopic. And this isn't necessarily a defense or a criticism of Brett Veach because I genuinely don't know. I haven't done the legwork. I'm half tempted to, to, to glance around a little bit. But it's kind of interesting if you go back and look at like the 2016 draft and the 2015 draft and the 2014 draft, the 2013 draft, and like start really looking at some stuff, you'll see a lot of misses and you'll see some hits, some great hits. And I think if you start, I think it's real easy when you follow one team to focus on those misses because we know their names, right? Like we don't really know the names of the misses on the Baltimore Ravens. Or right? the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> no, they don't count. Because they, um, they got a lot of them, dog. <laughs> they got a lot. That that That's just bad. And so it's just interesting to me. Like, So for an example to me is like, I hear a lot of criticism about the Chiefs drafting McCole Hartman, trading up for him. They could have DK Metcalf. Absolutely. But you don't hear nearly as much noise like from Chiefs fans. And Ottman, why would you? That the, that the Ravens drafted Marquise Brown higher than McCole Hartman. And Hardman's been arguably as productive despite not being leaned on remotely as much. But you don't hear that same amount of criticism because you you don't, those role player types, you know, that sort of thing, you just don't hear about it as much from other teams. And so I I find myself consistently back and forth where I, I ask myself, how much of an issue is it? Or, but here's the problem. Anytime I start to ask myself that, I look at that 2018 draft and I'm like, whoo, <laughs> that was, we've got Derek Nottie and Dorian O'Daniel and those are the wins of the draft really. And that's not even really a win because Dorian O'Daniel was a third round pick and special teams player doesn't really do it there. Although Josh, I think that just revisits our conversation from yesterday that got us all fired up about why he doesn't play more. So, but this is, this is the, where I think this ultimately comes out in the wash. If you're talking about just sort of this conversation as an evaluation measure, we also could not, if Mike Dana was a fifth round pick for any other team in the NFL, no one would know his name. No one would care about Mike Dana. Certainly no one would care about Bo Pete Keys and his, his week 17 snaps. Nobody would care about Rashad Fenton or Colin Saunders. And those are guys that we know obsessively here because they were Chiefs draft picks. So, I, I mean, I think that I agree with literally everything that you said about how we, we hyper focus on what our team does and that ultimately it ends up getting more scrutiny than any other team's misses. But I also think that the role player mid round hits get way more praise than we would give any other team because we're just paying more attention to everything. So I think, I think more or less it comes out in the wash. I would say that the attention to mid-round hits, though, is a deserved thing considering that the miss rate on those is so statistically high. So I think in a way there, I don't know if that washes out as much because I hear what you're saying. But the reality is if you get a guy who can take, you know, who can like say Michael Dana, if you get a guy who could take rotational snaps at defensive end in the fifth round, that's a huge win. And I think some of it is the way we approach the draft. Because statistically speaking, how many guys are you going to get that are decent rotational players in the fifth round? Two, three, maybe. And so those wins, I think, 
fan bases get that right and celebrate them. Although I think you're right that then guys become overrated for being underrated kind of situation <laughs> where it's like, it's why it's why we are, we, we talk with the utmost confidence that two guys who barely or didn't play last year in last year's rookie class are going to be excellent starters this year. Like just the, the lukewarm take on Willie Gay and Lucas Niang is that they'll both start and be pretty good at their positions when we don't know, we can, we can bet on that and we can take their college tape, but right. we're given a lot of credit for guys that we have seen play combined like seven whole snaps. <laughs> I'm not sure that I have that take on Yang. Like, I think he will, but I don't know. We don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Is, I'm, is that's the status I'm, quo not that he'll beat out Mike Rimmers? Like, I, we know I'm Mike Rimmers is pretty good. He will. It'll be great for the team if he does. Yeah, welcome to the draft, kids. We all yeah. know. Yeah, we're, yeah, someone's draft capital gives them a lot of weight. And no, it's, I totally agree with you that it, it does tend to get people overrated in the long run, especially players that we get attached to. I still can't figure out way to, where to rate Rashad Fenton because he's a six-round pick that every time I've watched him, it's like, you know what? He's pretty good. But he's not an elite corner. And so what does that mean? Like, I don't know how to gauge his value because how often do you get a good corner from the sixth round or like an even average corner from the sixth round? So I feel like then people get overrated, right? Can, and so can it, it, I, can it's I, just a hard to hard to gauge. Can I can I give you a cheat sheet, uh, Seth? I love cheat sheets. Here's how you can tell if a mid-round pick, and I'm going to say from the fourth round on, is a success. Does that player get to the NFL pension? That is three years, three games uh, of service. Uh, and within that time, does that player provide more of production versus being a liability? If the answers are yes and yes, the team and the player both made it work. If the player got to the fourth year and got to his pension, which that's what every agent and every advisor should tell every prospect, son, get to the fourth year and get out alive and healthy. If you get to if you get to four years of service, because again, kids, I think the average and these these tend to change year over year, but by and large, everybody understands that the average career for an NFL player is three and a half years. You get through four years of productivity, and the team considers you not a liability, and you were taken in the fourth round or lower, you are you have completely been a success. They should put your name on your town. You should be given and like you shouldn't be the one buying drinks. The drink should be bought for you because you effectively beat the matrix system that is the NFL, the draft, and the rookie wage scale, and the whole pension situation, and the whole please can you still be healthy and like you know a quality right. citizen after you know going through what NFL players go through, which I don't know, man, kind of a hard life. Yes, it's not an easy job. I think that that all goes back into like for for let's let's make the cut off the fourth round and beyond. Just get as many picks there as you can. Like just get your pick. And it was kind of funny last year they traded a sixth to go get Bo Peak Keys in the seventh. And we'll yep. see. I don't know why. I mean, it's just kind of interesting. I'm not necessarily yep. nitpicking on that. But in those later picks, just have your picks. If we're talking about in the first three rounds, which is honestly, if we're being real, the only time we're going to hear names that any of us know because we don't call we don't cover college football. <laughs> like that's that's why I made that list a couple of weeks ago. Like. It was like a month ago, actually, looking at the tweet right now. Um, if you look at if you look at the the guys the Chiefs have taken in the first three rounds throughout Veach's years, you get 
Three disappointments, two role players, two starters, two TBD. And I'm not even saying that's worse than the NFL average. I'm guessing it's probably pretty close to the NFL average mm. uh, among all of those guys. But I just think if, if you're going to have that much variance, and we just kind of accept that it has that much variance, you got to be really right whenever you've moved up. And the guys that Veach has moved up for have not paid off anywhere near that value that they've paid for them. So... I, I don't know. That, I, I think that we've now gone way down through the rabbit hole of the idea, just simply on the idea of the Chiefs moving up. Um, but Nate, I'll, I'll ask you this. Maybe we can we can uh, adjust course slightly. Do you think that they're going to move up because they want to have their pick of a better crop of players? Or do you think they would only move up for help at left tackle? And if they don't like how that falls, they'll stay at 31. Yeah, I think it's more the latter based on my read right now. Um, and again, Got to think of the owner. What is the owner willing to do um, to go move up? Um, someone in the organization has told me in previous years that Clark Hunt values first-round picks at an absolute premium. So it truly was rare for them to move up and trade a first-round pick to go get Patrick Mahomes because he played a most important position, y'all. Um, tackle is obviously in that second tier of how important is your position but obviously, it protects the greatest asset this franchise has ever had. So I think both coach, quarterback, general manager, and owner all kind of agree at this point, I think. Because, again, there could be trades that you know happen before now in draft day that could affect the Chiefs and obviously how the board sort of plays out as you go past 15 or so. Um, I think all four men agree that if we're going to move up, they should move up for a tackle. I don't think there's any other position, no matter how much you love a prospect in the first round that you've given a first round grade to, that, again, is Clark Hunt going to be willing to say, it may take us giving up a future first to go get that player to move up? Because, honestly, that's usually what happens um, when teams know how desperate you are for a position of need that is of importance. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Um, one other thing, and I know this will be probably a, a next week conversation, Seth, but I'm I'm very, very interested to see how your offensive line tier reviews end up coming through mm-hmm. because there there is who would you move heaven and earth for? Who would you move up a little bit for? Mm. Who would you take at 31? Who would you see if it's still there at 63? Because the, the place that I keep up getting, uh, keep up and keep ending up, that was the order of that sentence, um, <laughs> is getting to 31 just by various mock draft engines. I've done a couple of mocks with other, with people that have selected for the team that they cover. And I think those are really interesting because they, and obviously the athletic has, has done that already. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are interesting because it's people who re- typically really know what that team is looking for. Right, right. And I keep getting the 31 and finding myself looking at that group of tackles that end up being there as being not all that far removed from who I would hope is still there at 63 mm. and getting very enamored by the edges that I know Brett Veach is going to want and and a, a receiver or two if they end up sliding, depending on how many tackles end up going, that would be great for the offense. So, um, Nate, where are you at right now then on, on the non-tackle side of things? And then, Seth, take you can take it from there. If you're saying if it's someone who isn't a tackle, if it's not a tackle at 31. Yeah, if they if they don't move up for a tackle, they don't like a tackle at 31. Yeah, so in that scenario, I would say who they truly believe is the best player available, I would sort of advise them that if it's not tackle, you should probably look on the other side of the football, which obviously leads us to a logical conclusion. And we even mentioned this like a month ago that, hey, kids, uh, if there ain't no tackles there, <laughs> edge is where it's at, y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've sort of shown their hand because they did bring in Melvin Ingram and say, hey, you want to play You want to play edge for us? We might play edge. We need that third pass rusher. Holy smoke, Jaren Reed just became open. Drop everything. Get on all the phone calls. Um, <laughs> so I would, I would assume edge. But think about this. Okay. We, we kind of out of range at 31 for who the tackles may still be left. You don't want to reach. Let's go get an edge. But let me call a team that might be willing to move down in the second round. I'm looking at you, Arizona, at 49. I'm looking at you, Washington, at 51. Uh, Can we jump over, you know, it's, it's so tough. Can you jump over the Steelers at 55? Because mm. the Colts at 54, they may be looking for a tackle, too. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a scenario that I would, that I would, you know, if I was in the room, I'd raise my hand and be like, <clears throat> if we not going to take a tackle now, if Patrick Mahomes can breathe tonight and we can come back here tomorrow, can we, can we trade with the Arizona Cardinals at 49 and get a tackle? You know, and that goes to, you know, who do you value? Is it the kid from Texas? Is it the kid from Notre Dame? I ain't going to name those kids' names because I'm going to get them wrong. <laughs> Samuel Cosme and Liam Eichenberg, I am a floating corpse in the pool. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. You know, I I don't know anything about this dude, but Stone Forsyth such a good name, is the best name I have ever seen for an offensive tackle. Look, we put Bo Peep Keys in the Hall of Fame last year. Let's do it this year with this young man. Foresight. I mean, like, I just, I like that a lot. Um, And plus, then I could say that he stoned someone. Remember how I kept (laughs) saying that Mitch Schwartz would blank people and it came out weird? Yeah. Yeah, I was never, you know, comfortable with that. You know, phrasing and stuff. But, man, he just stoned it. Now, I don't know. Now, please. He's on my list, everyone. I'm looking at the list. of Twitter did its thing and provided me with a list because people that actually follow the draft. I was like, hey. Hey, guys. I'm late to the party. What what should I look at? Because I just <laughs> I don't know anything. Like, hey, what's good at this party, folks? Uh, Lord, dear's good. Uh, anyway, I don't know. That voice became different as I went. So <laughs> Yeah, it got a borderline droopy dog, but not quite. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> you don't know Droopy? You don't know Droopy? The old cartoon just goes, hello, Jules. It's just oh, kind yeah, of, he's got yeah, the jowl. Yeah. Just, oh, hello. Yeah, I can't do that hello, voice, but anyway. Hello, Jules. You're very good I watched, at that. I watched a lot of Droopy Dog c- cartoons back in the day, and I am 100% sure that 90% of those are deeply problematic today. Ah, that's that's most cartoons, let's be honest. That's true. That's um, true. You know, have you, have you tried watching Pepe Le Pew lately? Have you seen no. the Dave Chappelle skit? <laughs> no, I've I've seen the discourse about Pepe Le Pew though, and that it's not the, good. It's Dave a really Sha- good, really good point. Dave Somebody Chappelle has a bit on that that is one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. But that's again, that's not there. I mean, Nate, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I know what you're talking the about. Trash, I'm gonna keep my mouth shut. House. I live in a trash can. Okay, sorry. I'm just gonna sit here laughing. I'm a I'm gonna just laugh with you and 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 uh, keep it moving. Okay, Stone Forsyth. Stone Forsyth. That's one name. As I go through this list that was provided to me, and there's a lot of names on here. I'm going to try to get them all. A lot of people that follow the draft are like, oh, you got to look at this guy, this guy. But I got to tell you, Stone Forsyth jumps off of the page of like, man, I need this guy to be great. And how can he not be? Is he big? Is Stone Forsyth big? Um, I don't. I still don't know how to read the um, the the way that scouts do height. But yes, <laughs> <laughs> he's he, six fact, his, foot eight, three hundred and fifteen pounds. If those if those feet can move, get him a gold jacket immediately. Yes, and thirty four and three eight in three eighths inch arms, which does have him on the right side of that cutoff. Where is the cutoff? I, I know some. I think it's thirty four and a quarter. Thirty four and a quarter, man. Chalk that up as things that I don't care about, but I think the Chiefs do. So there you go. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's like, oh, you know, he's only got thirty three and a half inch arms. It's like, okay. 
<laughs> you know, like I wouldn't even know how to respond to that. I gotta find. I'm gonna find. I'm gonna. I'm gonna confirm that this is correct. Yeah, and that's we're doing on like talk, baby. I'm just like trying to be a, to imagine being a scout. That's like, oh my god, this guy is just this. Okay, we're gonna use Stone's name. I, I'm apparently already becoming this hype man. It's gonna be great. Like, oh, Let man. me give you this measurement real quick, just because yeah. I have to give the credit. And again, it just absolutely rankles me that I have to give credit to Kate Swanson, just one of the worst people, mm. like, one of the worst people in media, and I, I hate him. <laughs> you hate to see um, it. But he said he, he did the, the work and said the average arm length of a tackle for Andy Reid is 34 and a quarter. Mm. Okay. Which which is... That's average, though, which means they've gone Christian under. Derisaw, it hits that exact... I'm looking at Dane Brugler's beast guide. Um, Derisaw hits that. Nobody else hits it until you get down that list a little bit. I'll just say that. What, like literally no one? Not even like the top guys? Nope. Sewell's got... And then he's got 33 and a quarter. Slater's got 33. Derisaw's got 34 and a quarter. Jenkins is 33 and a half. Cosby's 33 and a quarter? Yeah, he's got got stumpy little arms. So now now imagine, okay, so let's... Stumpy little arms. Stumpy little arms. So imagine you're a scout. I mean, I've watched a little bit of Sewell, and I know probably what I'm going to write about him. Um, He's good. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's incredibly powerful. He's got a mean streak to him. Um, Got great feet. Moves so well. And so, like, imagine you're a scout and you watch this dude play against top level competition really well when he does i mean just does real well everything well you want real strong it's like yeah but how long are his arms like that would be really frustrating for me (laughs) that would be like i don't want to say who the bleep cares but do we really care and apparently they might so i don't know that just drives me insane I think it's fun that, that you found something you're gonna have to fight Brett Veach about. I'm really excited. They're gonna they're gonna just they're gonna find uh, they're gonna find Mr. Fantastic from the Fantastic Four with his stretchy arms or Miss <laughs> or or uh, yeah. Elastigirl slash Mrs. Incredible. And that's just it. If you're drafting a tackle, do you want the thing or Mr. Fantastic? Long arms are great, but why do you want long arms? It's well okay, so we can hold up against ball rushes, blah blah. So if the guy does it, who cares? Provided they're not you know 27 inch arms. I think if if Joe Tooney is anything less than the equivalent, the NFL equivalent of the thing, I'm gonna think that was a bad signing. That's my new that's my new watermark for him to clear. Because I think because because the thing would be, uh, I mean, a Hall of Fame guard, right? I mean, a Hall of Fame guard. <laughs> he would. Heavy hands, Stone Forsyth. I feel like this all comes together. Yep. <laughs> what do you think about the non-tackle idea, Seth? What? How do you feel about uh, how how they would? Uh, or could prioritize other positions at this point. Because I know we've talked a lot. Obviously, again, tackle is the the gaping void in this roster. But there's also places that I would be. Listen, man. Here's the thing. If any of those receivers drop, like if we get a little Rashad Bateman sitting there at 31, and the Chiefs are still on the clock at 31, and they don't take him, I'm not. I'm not telling you I'm going to be mad, but I'm going to be disappointed. I'm getting I'm gonna, warm. I'm going to be a little. I'm going to be a little sad. I I can say this. I'm trying to be careful what I say about the tackles because I'm going to actually try to do some real analysis on them. I don't think I'm going to have time to do much analysis on any receivers. I will say, man, I've watched Rashad Bateman and I'm like, whoo, oh, he like he's a shivers up your spine kind of dude watching that guy. I like him a lot, and to be, he's also from you know Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Oh, the the synchronicity. Great point. Yeah, he's got grit. Because you know what I see right. when I look out my window? I see snow. <laughs> oh, Again. I would take snow over my current allergies for what it's worth. Uh, no, no, no. Um, you should know when it snows this time of year, allergies get worse. 
Oh. Because it like disturbs. I don't know why actually. No, it is. I woke up yesterday morning and there was four inches of snow on the ground. I was like, what the, the day, like it was 60 degrees like three days ago. So Ugh. he's got mental grit. Um, if, if receiver in particular, that would bother me. Every other position, I just don't know a lot about it. You know, I just, you know me, I'm a lot more, and as much as it's a crapshoot, I end up a lot more about the player than the position, provided it's not another running back or like a fullback or a kicker or a punter, right? To mm-hmm. me, it, it's about the player. And so if there's like a great player there that they, you know, someone, you know, man, we sure did think Kyle Pitts was going to go before 31, you know, <laughs> like that would that would bother me. Um, that in particular, I would, there are not a lot of scenarios where I would stop watching for a while. That would be one, but I, I, I would love to see them if they don't go tackle to me, the only way that I won't be bothered would be, I would, you know, like, let's say, let's say like six tackles go and there's just nothing they can do about it. Right. 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 And it would be an incredible reach or, you know, like like a Bateman or like somehow like Devonta Smith falls or whatever, right? Because GMs, you can just hear GMs trying to overthink Devonte Smith. You can just hear it happening. Like you know, he's he's kind of small, might not make it. You know, you can just hear it happening. That I would be okay with, especially like an offensive weapon. Defensively, I'm pretty comfortable with where the Chiefs are at, and I just don't know anything about the edge rushers in this class other than people I trust saying, yeah. Like, they haven't been super fired up about them. I think the one thing that I would add on the edge side of things is is maybe trying to get back to a slightly healthier uh, draft mindset where if Jason Owe is there at 31, who's just like a physical absolute monstrosity, just like would be, but but not necessarily in the Tano Passano sense. Like, he, he ran, I, I can't remember who it was. I heard somebody on... Uh, was was a guest on Mina Kimes' podcast and compared him to DK Metcalf, but he plays edge. Like that kind of mm. like absolute athletic freak. His 40 time was unbelievable. I don't necessarily need him to start day one from pick 31 to then hopping over Taco Charlton. Oh, it'd be great if he did. But the Chiefs might need a Frank Clark replacement next year. Like they and they could and they could certainly take another uh rotational piece immediately. But we're in this spot, I think, specifically because of tackle, where anybody who goes at 31 is going to be expected to immediately be a day one starter. And I'm not sure that's either fair or terribly healthy. Right. You make a good point about an unhealthy place to be in the draft. And I think that's what that's what Fisher's and you and I talked about this yesterday. Right. That's what Fisher's injury did to them. And that in conjunction with Schwartz being out, left tackles are really, 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 really hard to find. Mm-hmm. And the Chiefs, the Chiefs have been spoiled, and a lot, you know, the, a fan base that didn't. Uh, most people now have warmed up to Fish over the last couple of years, but I mean, even after the Super Bowl, you know, because Nick Bosa did some terrible, terrible things to him, because Nick Bosa is not human. I mean, people were still like, ah, you know, whatever. But having a above average left tackle is not common. Like in the NFL, it's like. You either have a guy who's above average or better or trash. You know what can, I mean? Can can you can you send this message to the Cincinnati Bengals, Seth? <laughs> like I don't care. I don't look. I don't care if Pitts is there. 
can we just protect Joe Burrow at all costs? I, like, I really, you can be throwing to me out there with Sue. What we doing? Well, that's that's the thing. I really think with the Bengals, there's a chance that they overthink this, and I'm going to laugh. Laugh? I'm going to laugh. They they because the misfortune of others amuses me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Our, our, no. Yeah, our good buddy Robert Mays wrote wrote about this. Like, hey, you like. The draft probably starts with you, Cincinnati. Congratulations on two years in a row. Just take the tackle. Just, just take I, the tackle. I just, <laughs> and that's what's best for them. But I really want to run on other positions early. I want the Chiefs yeah. If you're if you're the Chiefs, like, you want everybody yeah. to make dumb decisions. <laughs> yeah. If you're the Chiefs, you want it to be like 15 and like wait, no one's taken a tackle yet. Like okay. Now we're in business. Yep. It really is. Left tackles are just hard to come by. They're hard to find. And it's almost impossible to not be in that unhealthy position when left tackle is a need. I think that's why they swung so hard at Trent Williams, right? Because they know it's just hard to find left tackles. And they didn't want to go in in an unhealthy position. I like that. I'm stealing that, Josh. That's a That's a nice way of framing it. I'm trying to be nicer this draft season in a way that gets me less freaking roasted on Twitter and less literally roasted by tasers at some point. It yeah. hasn't happened. I know. We get it, everybody. I know. We haven't been in the same – Seth and I haven't been in the same state for the last year. So it's – We haven't. That's it's going to happen. It's been very it's unfortunate. But, yes, it, it's on our schedules. We've been texting about it. Trying to talk Josh into letting me do like a gummy bear uh, uh, ghost pepper thing, which is apparently a terrible experience, or the chip. And so far, his bloodlust has not been sated. So we'll we'll see. What if I just let you punch me right in the face? <laughs> well, now hold on. <laughs> Let's talk about this. <laughs> what if you let Nate and I both punch you? No, don't Nate do that to me. <laughs> See, that's it. Yeah, yeah. you know what? Yeah, if we want to change it to where Nate gets to punch me in the face, I'll let Nate punch me all day because, Nate, I love you, man. Those hands, they're made for typing, and that heart is not made for striking. That's right. That's right. Do I have to be (sighs) – who's the guy on the coaching staff that sees something brewing on the sidelines and is like, am I Greg Lewis? I think I'm Greg Lewis all of a sudden. Greg Lewis now. You in this situation, I think you're at least the guy that's gonna have to like hold me up if I if I collapse uh, after getting tased, and you're gonna have to be the guy with like the milk jug for Seth post. Right, I mean, I, and, 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 you know, at some day in the near distant future, I yeah. may have to be Greg Lewis, Rick Markholder, and like Steve Spagnolo all wrapped in one. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You're you're all of the decision makers on this one. Uh, you got to keep everything in line. Uh, so do we want to go through? I've got a silly little uh, uh, draft exercise. You want to do this and not have to get into any of the other stuff going on around the NFL right now? Sure. All right. Here's what we're going to do. I got three mock drafts. Ooh. Cocked and ready here. Locked and loaded. Let's from go. Three different mock, from three different mock draft generator sites. We got to pick for the Chiefs in all three of them. We're picking at 31. I'm not trading up. We could have done. We can do this next time. Here's what I got from mock, NFLMockDraftDatabase.com. We're picking a 31. The top available players, I'm using just their board. Right. We've got Greg Newsom, the corner out of uh, Northwestern. Jason Owe, the edge from Penn State. Mm. Could take Travis Etienne. We could go to running back set. 
Uh, I'd rather not, but you know, this is a democracy. We get two votes. We each get one vote or whatever. Uh, Terrence Marshall uh, Jr., the receiver out of LSU, is still there at 31. Jalen Mayfield, the tackle out of Michigan. Uh, Rondale Moore and Elijah Moore, both receivers from Purdue and Mississippi, both there. Landon Dickerson, Liam Eikenberg, Alex Leatherwood, all on the board. (sighs) Should I spoil? Well, let me spoil... um... Mr. Dane's uh, seven-round mock draft, he he would select Leatherwood, the tackle from Alabama, which I kind of am okay with, but I'm kind of like, that's a reach, dog, but it's kind of for need. (sighs) Of the people you have given us, I'm either thinking Marshall or Leatherwood. Um, You know, without having reviewed the the film of the, the two tackles... I, but knowing that they're both kind of you know think, thought of as second round guys, yes. I'd probably go with the I'd probably go with the edge in that situation. I think, I, although that land Landon's tough not to take. Um, yeah, I just I don't know, man. I'm I'm just I, I you're gonna you're gonna hear me be lukewarm about a bunch of the tackles in this in this space. Uh, I did a I did a mock ride basically this board for a, a radio show I was doing, and I took away. Um, because I think Brett Veach loves edges, and I think that this team's going to keep adding edges. So, all right, Nate, you got outvoted. Ah! My, you took a receiver and got outvoted right there, I by know. the way, which is just Crazy. wild. wild. Um, I don't know why that happened, but that but it did. Uh, ooh, the PFF one has restarted. So let's go over to the DraftNetwork.com's mock draft machine. Here is our board. We got the linebacker from Kentucky, who we're not taking. Uh, <laughs> Owe is there. Dickerson is there. Uh, Caleb Farley, Eric Stokes, both corners are still there. Kadarius uh, Tony is there, the receiver out of Florida. Cosme, Samuel Cosme, the tackle from Texas, is there. Again, Terrace Marshall Jr., uh, Nick Bolton, who we're not taking. Liam Eikenberg there. Dylan Reduns is there. I think he was probably on the other board as well. Um, but this is, I think this is sort of the part of the equation. This this is the 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 way that I've gotten as lukewarm on some of the stuff as I have. Right. If Tevin Jenkins is there, then cool. Then fine, let's do it. But if he's not, I don't feel incredibly strongly about the difference between Samuel Cosme and Liam Eikenberg or whatever. So I'll see where we're what what the draft board's looking like in five or ten picks. If I want to move back up, then yeah, my my recommendations here would be Cosme and guys. Um, I think I know what to look for in wide receivers. Um, obviously Seth has mentioned our friend up north. I love Tooney. <laughs> Really? I, I just, I keep looking at the film. And he was an early guy that a lot of scouts, including including uh, Dane, sort of said, hey, maybe this may be a nice pairing with the Chiefs because, and the Chiefs, again, showed their hand to some degree that said, hey, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, do you want to run the slot for a year? Um, Tony might be a better option, dog. <laughs> you know, Seth is very Tony, far from his microphone, so I'll filibuster, I, and he's back. I, I was for a second. Um, Tony is is really intriguing. I, I like the way he moves. I think he can create separation. And I'm not big on like, oh, receivers need to be a certain size or anything like that. So that 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 that's intriguing to me. I'm basing this purely off, and I hate doing this when it's about a position that I'm going to actually look at myself. I think in this situation, based on what I've heard about Cosme from people I respect, I think I'd go with Cosme here. I think it's going to be funniest if we get through without um, 
without drafting a tackle throughout our mock. So I'm gonna go ahead and I'm just gonna I'm gonna go with Nate. We're taking a receiver, baby. <laughs> I think this time I would have taken Terrence Marshall, but I, I that's all right. We, all right, there we go. Hey, four all wide right, so sets, got, five wide sets. Who's who's Pat, who's covering Patrick Mahomes' backside? We'll figure that out later. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We're gonna, draft We're gonna be rolling some protection tight end at some point. We're gonna be sliding protection left and rolling I hope, right. Look, I just hope somebody's asking that question on draft night with someone who's protecting. Patrick Mahomes' blind side. I just hope someone's screaming that every 10 to 15 minutes in the draft. Yep, every single time, they, every call they take, every single and then, whatever. And then Patrick Mahomes. But who? Patrick Mahomes gets on the conference call. Hey, guys, I, I, I'm I, really good at this thing called football, but I do need some protection. Did you watch the Super Bowl? Yeah. All right, I'm here on the PFF mock draft simulator. Their board is very different. Elijah Moore is there. Walker Little, the tackle out of Stanford, is their 24th ranked player. Uh, Dylan Reduns is 28th. Tevin Jenkins on the board, ranked 29 on theirs. Jalen Phillips from Miami, can I interest you in an edge? Now we're taking, we're all taking Tevin. No, we're all taking. Right? Yeah. I, I, I really That's like Phillips because I do too. he's got some, he's got some high ceiling. Woo! There are some clips in college where I was just like, wow. Um, he diagnosed the play and then was a monster. Um, yep. So look. I told Chiefs fans in, in Mach 2.0 to start falling in love with Chevin Jenkins so he can break your heart in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I love Chase Claypool. I told Red Beach, go ahead and take Chase Claypool. Then they broke my heart. So what you gonna do? You know? We tried. We tried, man. We tried. They was right there. There's so many there's so many receivers last year they could have taken. They took basically a receiver. <laughs> Who was not one? Year two. I am year over two, it, Year though. two, Josh. Year two. <laughs> I am I am over it, as you guys can certainly tell. Uh, we're, we're pretty much at time. Uh, so let's here, – here's – in the NFL right now, there's some interesting stuff going on around virtual OTAs and players and yes. teams boycotting. It sounds like the Chiefs will probably not be among them because they've got a lot of big bonuses that are there. And the NFLPA apparently doesn't want to put pressure on Chiefs players to throw away voluntary bonus money mm-hmm. to make this point. Especially, especially if if there's a compromise where you can still get that money as long as you log into this WebEx meeting or two. Exactly. So I we'll see we'll see how that ends up getting figured out. Um, some of the vaccine stuff is kind of interesting. I'll tell you this: this is here's here's a shameless shameless self promotion for the sake of getting out of this podcast in a reasonable time. I talked about the all basically all of that and also a little Britt Reed update um, on almost entirely sports over the course of this week. If you want to get a little more of that, mm-hmm. Nate, do you, is there anything else you want to put on the on the Britt Reed update in terms of he, he's been charged the DWI, um, the potential jail time could go anywhere from a year to seven years. Right. Um, we obviously don't know exactly how it's all gonna pan out but uh what what do you think is most uh noteworthy there in terms of uh in terms of Brady? yeah it's just based on missouri law this is what they can do um the family has already come out for the family of ariel young i should say the the five-year-old girl who was impacted most in the accident has already come out and said they would love for there to be more to be done um in terms of possible punishment but seven years is the maximum based on the DWI uh, sort of section within Missouri's law. Um, It's understandable. Will he get seven years? That is where we are now in this sort of situation. Um, Is it possible that that there could be a plea deal? I I don't quite believe that's the case, at least as as of right now. 
um, because I know the family's not going to push for that. But um, it's I put out some of the I, actually I'm going to reference people to just go on my Twitter account, Biden Taylor. Um, I put as many of the most interesting details of the prosecuting office's uh, probable cause and its written statements as to what they believe happened um, that led to the charge. Um, as Josh mentioned, possible up to seven years. But, you know, it's 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 really unfortunate. Um, I don't know. We don't really know when the next part of this process moves forward. Um, but I would just say that it's it's understandable for people once they read and hear about all this to kind of feel unsatisfied. It's completely reasonable. Yeah. Um, also now is a kind of awkward transition back. The NFL, as we were recording, put out their new the offseason program summary, and it looks like it's going to be predominantly virtual through the first four weeks at least. So we there's there'll be more information, more clarity on yeah. that. Um, if you want more on any of those things, as Nate said, you can check out his Twitter at by Nate Taylor. I'm at JB Briscoe. Seth is at Real MN Chiefs fan. You can find all the stuff that we do in all the different places and different topics covering everything across all of those uh, platforms. I also think maybe next week, if we don't get some new news, maybe next week we do a little draft mailbag. Uh, I am, I'm sure there are questions we did not get covered over the course of today's show that you may have. So uh, I'll put out a tweet at JB Briscoe. The guys will retweet it whenever we, uh, if we decide to go that direction next week as well. But I think that's it. I think that's uh, a real legitimate hour of NFL draft talk from uh, a, a waterlogged, uh, just floating, <laughs> pruny-fingered man being myself, the cannonballing Seth Kaiser, and the gently wading into the waters, Nate Taylor. Nate, uh, if you got anything else, get us out of here. I just, I'm still in the sunshine. I haven't gotten tired yet. Um, I love the draft. I may say something otherwise in about a week or so. Um, <laughs> and look, in terms of the virtual off-season program, whatever, look, Andy Reid loves football. Andy Reid wants to work. Uh, they've obviously structured these contracts for a reason. And he likes to have the team around. And do you want to know why they're... Whatever in zero in September in the Haver last many years, it's because the work starts now. And um, he likes guys to show up, even though he's kind of a player's coach, but he doesn't really become a player's coach until about October is the quiet thing that I just said out loud. But you keep telling yourself that Andy Reid's a player's coach, but it only goes from about October through the rest of the season.